last week preached a sermon called Jesus Took Naps on Boats, and I gave you a very big assignment. Anybody remember the assignment last week? Take a nap. nap. Raise your hand if you took a nap. All right, the rest of you, there is hope and healing because you can do that every Sunday, just not during the preaching, okay? You can take a nap today. I've preached in this series on choosing unpopular friends, tell stories that make people think, hanging out with sinners and unpopular people. Today is Palm Sunday, and the title, if you're into titles, is Upset Religious People. Powerful people. Heck yes. Confrontation right up my alley. I preach Palm Sunday every year, and there are, there are a few sermons every year I preach. One is the table message where I preach on the one. And I love preaching Palm Sunday because I always preach about how Jesus came in from the east on Jerusalem on a donkey. And how Pilate came in that same week from the west with a military parade. I love this sermon. And it always pokes and provokes us to consider the ways of Jesus. I'm a pastor who does not see Palm Sunday as a cute prelude to give us just a little bit of comic relief before Passion Week. It's not a moment where we just sit back and we take a calm before the storm Sunday before Good Friday. This is a look in the mirror at who we are as humanity. I want to open with this verse out of John chapter 16, verse 33, and I would like for you to read it with me. These are the words of Scripture. They are God's words for us. These may be the most important words of the day because they're not my words, they're not your words, they're His words. So when you read them, read them with a seriousness and a gravity and with respect and with volume. Do not read them tepidly. Read them with confidence and with a big, throaty, Stanley County pride. Okay? I've heard y'all in Walmart yelling at each other. Give it more gravitas than that. Here we go. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Who is talking here? Jesus is talking here. If you have a smartphone, I want you to pull it out and I want you to hold it up. Come on, pull it out. Even those of you that want to act like you're rebels, go ahead and pull it out. Hold it up. Those of you that can drive, this is confession time. How many of you, by holding up your smartphone, some of you aren't holding this up. Hold it up. Some of you are still looking at me like you want to hurt me. Please don't. Some of you, confession time. You use this while driving. Hold it up if you do. You text while you drive. You look at Facebook while you drive. You talk on it. Some of you are like, no, I do not. You're better than the rest of us. We got it. We understand. How many of you, now this, 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 is, this, is, this is tough, how many of you have been in another state or have been in a place where you have received a ticket for using this while driving? Am I the only one in the room? $85 right here. Oh yes, $85 in another state. Why am I bringing this out? Because this smartphone this mobile phone, we can use these things to our detriment. 
If you actually look at the statistics of using smartphones while driving, it will scare you. There are reasons why other states in our glorious union have passed laws that will ticket you for using this device while driving. It is not a badge of honor that some of us held this up earlier when I asked, have you texted while driving? There are commercials on YouTube and other outlet sources that have very haunting and disturbing videos about what happens while texting while driving. There have been moments after I received that ticket that I am not proud for, where I have took this and thrown it in the trunk of my car so that I would not use this anymore for te- because I was using it while driving. I didn't want another ticket. I didn't want to pay that $85 that some of you acted with like it was thousands of dollars. We were like, oh, $85. It's a lot of money, but I mean, it's not thousands of dollars. I didn't want another one, though. Like, it taught me a lesson. We often focus on things when we should be focusing on other things, right? Like, we often focus on texting when we should be focusing on the GMC in front of us so we don't hit it. We often are on the phone when we should be seeing the people around the table. We are often glued to what the screen in front of us rather than listening to the preacher, right? <laughs> You're taking notes, I get it, it's fine. But there's, there's this problem that we have, and it's not just like how we use mobile phones, but there's this problem with distraction. We can be focused on the wrong thing rather than the main thing. Focused on an ancillary thing rather than the important thing. Jesus said, I've come to this world. In this world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. In this world, you're going to have trouble. In this world, you're going to have things that you're going to be tempted to focus on. But take heart. I have overcome those things. Don't get so focused on the trouble that you miss out on Jesus. The Gospel of Luke chapter 19 tells the story of Passion Week. It tells the story of Palm Sunday. It says this, as he rode along, the crowds spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Can I just press pause on the scripture reading? And can we just imagine what that might look like in our current modern day society? No, of course, it's not the same kind of dynamic where the people who we want as king ride into town and parades in the same way. Like, we don't lay down our clothes. There's a lot of things happening in this way. But just the dynamic of shouting out someone to be the ruler of society who doesn't actually have the place of authority. See, in our society, we vote people in. We have a process. We have... We have 
you know, all these things into place. In other countries, there's a monarchy. In Jesus' day and age, the Roman emperor was over all of the kingdoms. And then there was a king over Judea and Israel. And then there was a Roman prefect. There was a governor. There was, a, there was all of these things. And, but the people were crowning him as king, and they were praising him as he came in. And you can feel the tension because he wasn't the elected, the appointed, the one who had the war horse. Peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers. Here's the tension. Rebuke your followers for saying things like that. And he, Jesus replied, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace, but now it's too late. And peace is hidden from your eyes. What we have here is this, this juxtaposition. We have this meeting of two things that seem completely opposite. We have a cheering, celebrating crowd and a celebrity figure who isn't buying into the cheers. We have a celebrity figure who is crying and weeping as he's being celebrated. We have an awkward moment. The ways of Jesus are often missed because there is a focus on something else. And today is Palm Sunday. And what was the focus on something else? Well, we, we have to have, and this is one reason I love Palm Sunday and I love preaching this, because we have to have a history lesson. And I'm such a nerd and I love going into history lesson. And I promise you this will be short, but it's so important. And I need you to go here with me. So strap in. This is going to be like 60 seconds of history, but it's really important. Don't gla- glaze your eyes over. This is so important. Okay, really quick. All right? History lesson. There's this guy. His name's Judah Maccabee. Say Maccabee. Say Maccabee, Maccabee, Maccabee. Okay, no, you got to be excited or this is going to go way too long. Say Maccabee, Maccabee, Maccabee. So way back in the day, these Grecian occupants were slaying pigs in the temple, okay? In the holy temple of God, they were taking pigs, slashing their throats. Blood was going everywhere. Go, ooh. Okay, so pigs were nasty and disgusting, and they were unclean animals in the Jewish faith, and you couldn't have anything to do. It would be the, the, the symbolism of taking the American flag and the Bible and setting them both on fire and throwing feces on them here on the altar. It would be boo, hiss here in the church. Nobody would like it, okay? And so this guy, Judah Maccabee, he took Zechariah's prophecy to heart, and he brought this army of rebel violent people and he attacked these Grecian people who were doing these nasty things and they, they their, their uprising was signified they came in and they slayed all of these nasty evil people revolution right they had their songs they had their chants there's even these history parts that are included in some versions of the Bible called the Apocrypha not in the Protestant versions I'm going into nerd town I'm so sorry but there were these there were these they had an icon they had a brand Guess what the icon of the brand was? The palm branch. Are we making connections here? 
the people in Jesus' day, all right, history lesson over. The people in Jesus' day, they saw Jesus as another revolutionary. Back in the day, this dude, Judah Maccabee, said, H-E double hockey sticks, no. We won't have this on our land. We're going to revolutionize. We're going to kick some tail, okay? They went 80s wrestling on them, and then some. And the people of that day remembered the prophecies from old. And they said, this guy Jesus, he's our guy. And they brought out the palm branches. Because they remembered Maccabee. Now, Maccabee was eventually killed as a revolutionary. He was taken in prisoner. But they said, Jesus is going to be our guy to overthrow Rome. He's going to save us from the occupying empire, Caesar, all of this. And Jesus, the same week, this is Passover week. It's, Passover week is like July the 4th week for Americans, okay? They set, I mean, I don't think they set off fireworks, but it's the same kind of intensity. It's like National Pride Week, all this kind of stuff. And if there was going to be riots and revolutions, it was going to be during Passover week. So Rome sent the governor, Pilate, from Caesarea all the way off the Mediterranean coast. They sent him in with a military parade during Jewish Passover week. So they would show their might and their power. Pilate came in that week on a war horse with military, with legions, with, with so many soldiers. And they were going to show, if you riot, we will kill you. And the same week that that's happening, Jesus is coming in from the east on a donkey. Can you see the hilarity of the picture? Pilate on a war horse, Jesus on a donkey. Pilate coming in from the west with tanks and showboating with his armored vehicles and, and peace protesters coming in from the east riding tricycles. Pilate, mighty, powerful, and exclusive, and Jesus every day riding, almost ridiculous, on this, the, the, this donkey. His feet were probably dragging the ground. One is striking fear from his parade, crucifying his enemies to promote his power, and Jesus coming in ready to lay down his life and forgive his enemies. It was ridiculous. See, we have these ideas of Palm Sunday being kind of like this picture right here of Jesus coming into the city with people dancing, and, 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 I, and I think there's truth to this. People were excited. But I think it was less of a smiling, joyful party, and it felt more like this. It felt more like raised fists and waving the palm branches. More like a protest of, oh, we're going to show Rome. And Jesus weeps. And why does he weep? He weeps because he knows that the people will choose violence and military and the sword and blood as the way. 
You will choose the way, but the way will not be him. This is the first time Jesus allowed himself to be publicly recognized as the Messiah. He would be killed five days later. And if Jesus is the way, do you believe Jesus is the way? Okay, so if Jesus is the way, then here is the example of the way. The way is filled with the example of laying down privilege to embrace love. Because Jesus, God in the flesh, laid down every privilege of being deity to be killed by lowly humans. Think about that for just a minute. Anytime we are confronted with the good news of Jesus, it means that it's good news for everybody. And if someone is not being saved or loved as a result of the good news, then that isn't good news for everybody. If there's somebody in your circle or in your town or in, in, in your world who is missing out on the good news of Jesus and you refuse to bring them in on the good news of Jesus, I would argue that you have not yet discovered the full news of Jesus. Because it compels you to go outside of your comfort, to lay down your privileges, to give it to others. Go back to the opening question about our phones. We can often focus on the wrong things. And the people of that day had a wrong focus. They were praising Jesus, and that's a good thing. That's a great thing. They were shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. All of those things are right and good. They laid down their clothes in front of him. They waved their palm branches in front of them. And they showed, we're with Jesus. But if you miss the underlying message of Hosanna, you would think that this worship parade had at its heart Jesus. They were excited about Jesus because they believed that he was going to lead a bloody revolution. And how can I say that? Because five days later, they said, kill him. He didn't do what we thought he was going to do. They were excited because they thought he was going to get the job done a certain way. Like Judah Maccabee, with palm branch icons, with violence. And Jesus cries because he knows he's not building that type of empire. And he knows that's why they're worshiping them. He knows they're focused on the wrong thing. And he cries because they were blind to his bigger kingdom. He didn't come to liberate only the Jewish people. He came to show the folly and the ridiculousness of empire building. Fighting each other is no way to maintain and to get peace. Killing each other in order to live is no way to live. 
Getting armed up and fighting each other to be free is no way to be free. That's how afraid people live. And the Jesus way says, I lay down my privilege and my power and my rights. And I live with you as God in the flesh. It wasn't the wrath of God or some kind of blood sacrifice ritual that killed Jesus. It was bloodthirsty, fearful, religious people that didn't want their privileges with the empire to go away. Pharisees and oppressed people. By laying aside his privilege, Jesus showed us that there is power that is greater than the power found in our weapons and our empires. And if we reject that message, maybe we think that Palm Sunday is insignificant. Maybe we think that Palm Sunday is just a cute prequel to the passion of the Christ. Something to ease us into the drama before the climax and the final chorus of Arise, My Love. No. This is a monumental introduction for why we need to be saved. And it's haunting because it raises a mirror to humanity. And we see ourselves for who we really are. We celebrate Jesus as being a revolutionary he never intended to be. Overthrowing an empire he never intended to rule. Winning in a culture war in which he never had any interest. And weeping because he knew that all along. Weeping because the people he was coming to save didn't have an imagination to see the bigger story. Didn't have an imagination to see how much more valuable and how much more beautiful the world really is. And entering the city to do the work of the cross anyhow. Do we really believe that something monumental is happening when the king of kings lays aside and rejects the war horse to embrace the peace donkey? They shouted Hosanna. You know what Hosanna means? It means save us now. Save us immediately. There's an immediacy to Hosanna. It doesn't, it's not metaphor. It's not, it's not filled with like this idea that you'll say, it's, it's, it's not romantic. It's now. It's action filled. Save us now. That's what Hosanna means. It's this expectation that Jesus is on their side right now. Bless our troops now. Help us win the war now. Hosanna is this plea to help us now. But Hosanna must be a plea to save us from the ways we treat each other. Hosanna cannot be a plea for violence on others so that we can be better off. Save us from our own wars. Save us from our own violence. Save us from our own injustice. See, when we see statues of Jesus, he's not on a war horse leading a military parade. He's on a cross dying. He's with children. He's riding on a donkey. 
And yeah, I know that in the last book of the Bible, Jesus is on a white horse. And he's conquering death, hell, and the grave. And he does so on a white horse called Triumph. Jesus is never riding, in the book of Revelation, Jesus is never riding the red horse that's called War. And he defeats Babylon in the book of Revelation. And his robe, his white robe is soaked and it is dripping with red blood. And do you know what blood is on his robe? It's his blood. It's his blood. Pre-soaked by his sacrifice. And if you look to the prophecies that that point to Revelation earlier in Scripture. If you look at Isaiah 63, there's references there that say that his, his robe is also crimson stained by his enemies who lay down before him. Their blood is sprinkled on the, his robe. He bears the blood of his enemies who hate him. But if you keep reading in Revelation, those that are standing around him, the great host of heaven, the children and the people who follow him, you and me and the great heaven of heavens and the horses and the angels, they are in white linen robes. Did, did you know that in war, we don't really have a sense that, that people wear white linen robes in war. They are spotless. Basically, in Revelation, everybody else is wearing white. Jesus is the only one who is splattered with the blood. And he is constantly making the blood splatters pure. With restoration and with healing. Not even his children or his horse. No one goes to war in fine linen. Christ brings even his blood to oppose. The way of Jesus looks like this. Laying aside privilege when it gets in the way for the good news of even his enemies. So the question is this. Who's overlooked? Who's oppressed? Whose story haven't you heard? I want to close with a story and, and then a prayer. Recently, my son and I were in a shop here in town and I had a conversation with a young man and it's, it's a young man that, that we had talked to a, a few times and the young man's um, young man's gay and I asked him I said how difficult is it to be gay in Albemarle I just asked him I said I would imagine it's very difficult to be gay in Albemarle he goes and I wrote this down <laughs> He goes, being gay is tough enough around here. I get called faggot all the time, especially by church people. He knows I'm a pastor, by the way. But being black in this town is worse than being gay. All those people who go to church use the N-word more than they talk about Jesus. The racism here is worth worse than the homophobia. It's worse than any, anywhere I've ever seen. And some of us, we hear, we hear stuff like that and we immediately get offended or we get upset, and we should. And we're like, well, who's saying that? Well, why is that? Where is that? Being? It's being said and it's, being, it's happening in your town. It's, it's happening here. That's where it's happening. It's happening in your neighborhood. It's happening in our church lobbies. 
that kind of talk happens here. And if you, if you have any friends who are gay or any friends who are of a different color than you, and you can talk with them honestly, my guess is that they may confirm this, this young guy's statement. But I want you to move past the initial kind of knee-jerk reaction of that. And I want you to let some of, some of those disturbing things kind of hit you in a different way. Because we live, in a, we live in a world where we say we're in 2023. Things have happened and oppression is not. To believe that we have successfully eradicated oppression and injustice and racism and phobias, to, 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 to believe that those things are gone, that, that is to live in a fantasy world. I, I was in a conversation with an author, and, and I, I really appreciated his, his, his willingness to engage me. His name is Jamar Tisby, Tisby. And I was able to listen to another guy named Brian Stevenson. And, and one of the things both of them said to me is that racism and phobias, they don't really get eradicated, they just evolve. They just kind of evolve and they kind of morph into different things over time. They don't really go away. The belief that someone is not worthy of God's love and God's good news is really, is really nothing new, but it is a demonic belief. And you know what needs to happen with, with demons? They have to be exorcised. They have to be eradicated. But what do we do about it? According to Jamar, this, this author that, that I've been able to pray with and listen to and read and study from, he, he authored a book named The Color of Compromise. Here's what he says. He says, most people are not racist, but that's not enough. To eradicate something that the demonic is in, it doesn't take a group of people just not to do it. It takes a community of people who refuse to tolerate it, who call it out when they see it, who, when they get a hint of it, they call the kingdom of God in the present and they stand up to it because that's what the cross of Jesus does. That's what it takes. And Jesus suffers and dies, not just because he's anti-sin or he's non-sin, but because he dies to eradicate sin. Why? Because sin kills us. And friends, if we're going to live like Jesus, we're going to have to lay down the privilege of living in the middle ground where we're just quiet about things. Where when we just hear things that we're just quiet about it, and we say, well, that's just how they were back in the day. When we hear somebody make a snide comment, and we just kind of shake our head and go, well, you know, he's old, and that's just his generation. And we think we're being respectful by letting racism go on. Is that too much for Palm Sunday? I'm sorry. We've got to bring love. There's nothing love-driven about tacit approval of hate. Nothing. There's nothing love-driven about just allowing hate to take root and continue living. And we're going to bring love and awareness around those who are faced with the ugliness of judgment and oppression. Why? Because too often we get distracted by things that are not the point. 
And Jesus said, in this world you're going to have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. We can't be focused on the wrong things as the church of Jesus. We can't ever feel like we have arrived and the kingdom of God is among us. What we must do is we must work and we must listen and we must suffer and we must cry. And when we hear things that disturb us and when we hear things that maybe we don't want to hear or we see things that we don't want to see. Like Jesus riding into the city where we would much rather lean into the celebration and to the cheers of the crowd that make us feel a lot better. Sometimes we, it would be better to put the phone down and to sit down and sit back and look at reality and cry. You want to be like Jesus? Man. We must lay down the convenience of privilege and comfort. And be willing to look at humanity. As it really is. Because that's the humanity that killed Jesus. That's a big reason why Jesus began weeping as he looked out on the city. He knew that the way of peace was not the way of silence and compromise. He knew that the way of peace was not the way of arming myself up so that I can take others down. Jewish folks everywhere in Jesus' day just wanted violent eradication of their oppressors or tacit approval. Well, they're not bugging me, so I'm just fine with them. They're not coming after mine, so I'm just fine. And you know who they chose during Passion Week? They chose the violent revolutionary Barabbas, not the peace donkey riding Jesus. Barabbas will get us what we want, not Jesus. Kill him. That's who they chose. But it's only the peacemaker Jesus that defeats death and violence. And he did it with his blood, not anybody else's. So what's next? We talk about Jesus laying down his privilege. How do we connect it to our lives? How do we practically live this stuff out? Well, I've got a few suggestions. Here's the first one. I want you to locate where Jesus would be in your world. This is our worship team. Some of you are looking at them and like, what are they doing? They're going to play some mood music, and it's going to be nice in the background. And we're going to play that while I talk and pray. It's going to flow into this next moment really cool. Let me go back to this last point. What are some practical things? I want you, I want you to think about where Jesus would be on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. I want you to think where Jesus would be in the debates and in the conversations that you find yourselves in. I want you to think where Jesus would be in the suffering and in the pain and in the places where you you walk and the places and the people that you see. I want you to think where Jesus would be. And I want you to go there. The reason that we are giving away groceries on April 29th is not so that we can feel better as volunteers or so that we can chalk one up for the good Christian guys. 
the re- let me tell you the real reason we're giving groceries away. There are plenty of groceries through Christian ministries and all around town. There, there are opportunities for groceries in this town. Let me tell you why we're doing it. If the point for us to give groceries away was for us to feel better, we'd be focused on something, something wrong. If the point of us going out and, and giving groceries away, feeding at the community inn, if the point was for us to even just meet needs, that would be a wrong motive. That feels kind of weird saying, doesn't it? Let me tell you what the point is. The point is that we are the people of Jesus coming into contact with people who need Jesus. Handing bags of groceries groceries are just a tool for us to start building relationships with people who need Jesus. They're just a tool. That's all they are. Are groceries needed? Sure. Groceries aren't salvation. Groceries are not a magic bullet. Are meals needed? Sure. Jesus is needed. The love of Jesus is needed. You know know what would be terrible? If a racist, homophobic church went out into the community and handed stuff away and refused to build relationships with the people that they were were, giving to. That would be terrible. This is not us and them. It's just us. It's all us. Do you understand what I mean? There is no us and them. We are not up on some hill here in Stanley County looking down on the rest of the county. We are purposefully not having people come to our church to receive. We are leaving our place. We are going out into the community. What happens on April 29th is us laying down our privilege. What I'm hoping will happen is that there will be a lot more discipleship being done among us and more glory to Jesus happening for the, God, for the kingdom of God. And I could care less if the Stanley News and Press shows up or not. We're not planning press releases. This is not about trying to get our church to grow. Not in the sense of more butts and seats anyway. It's about our hearts. I want your heart to grow. I want your love for Jesus to grow. I want want this to be with the love of Christ. Find out where Jesus would be and go there. Here's the second thing I would recommend, just from a very practical sense. I mentioned that book, The Color of Compromise by Jamar Tismi. If you want to be provoked and challenged, read this book. It, It will wreck and ruin and probably makes some of you very angry. That's good. Be challenged. Be challenged. You need to be challenged. You you need to be challenged. I want to pray for you. And I want you you to be 
encouraged that next year on Palm Sunday, same message. Maybe a few different stories here and there. Jesus riding in from the east on a donkey. Pilate coming in from the west. The way is not the way of empire and violence. The way is a giving away of self and embracing the way of Christ. Would you stand with me? I want to pray for you. This Friday at 7 p.m., we're worshiping the crucified Christ. Good Friday service. I hope you'll be here. Our worship team has a fantastic service plan. But I want to pray over you to embody the ways of Jesus and to receive the love of Jesus with hands out in front of you. I want to pray this over you. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you would embody the ways of Jesus. The ways of Jesus that refuses to be distracted by the wrong things. The ways of Jesus that says no to power that is not God's. That refuses to be drawn in and distracted. But freely lays down our lives, our privilege for true life, for love. Standing behind us, Jesus, that rides not a war horse that eradicates certain humans and leaves other ones okay, but brings his gospel to all. And yes, those that hate him and oppose them, they will fall, but not because he doesn't love them, 